This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. You're obsessed with her? And you're obsessed with her daughter! Right, easy, Geraldo. And welcome back to Horror Queers. It's a special spiral bonus mini-sode, and I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and I mean, it's kind of about spiral. It's more about, well, a prelude to the main event, uh, mm-hmm. as Mickey would say from Scream 2. Oh, uh, dude, you couldn't even come up with a Jigsaw-related S-quote? Come no, on. I, I wasn't prepared for this. Um, <laughs> no, everyone, so I'm, as you, if you listened to our episode on the faculty from this week, you'll know that our next episode is going to be on James Wan's original film, Saw. And we're going to have some guests on that one, but we're going to do this as a little teaser for it by talking about Saw in advance somehow with, with one of our friends. And actually, previous guest from our episode on... On Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, Mr. Greg Mucci. Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's so yeah. soon. <laughs> thanks, for having, yeah, thanks for having me for uh, Saw. Oh, man. Big, saw, big fan. Saw, Saw, Yes. So, Greg, our relationship, I really felt like I followed you on Twitter for a while, but I didn't get to know you until we started watching all of the Saw films as a little mm. group. It's yeah. It's it's been a weekly staple. Uh, every Sunday night, uh, we we started really overzealous because we were doing two Saw films a night, so that that took up all of October. Oh man, which I act, which I actually miss watching two movies. Not gonna lie. Sometimes I do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so coming back to the conversation at hand, Greg, tell me about your relationship with Saw, and most specifically this first one. Um, I mean, I can't really tell you what drew me to the theater i mean it had to have been the the advertising obviously but i can't remember mm-hmm. what the commercials or the trailers were like uh i'm just assuming based off of that time period it was very hyperkinetic and sort of music video-esque mm-hmm. um in its style mm-hmm. but i went opening night so it was friday october 29th of 2004 holy shit yeah, and it was a packed theater, and I went with my friend uh, Bruce. Um, I was, at this point, a junior in high school. Um, and, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I, 
I think along with Blair Witch Project, it was sort of one of those like unifying theater experiences where once like the veil, mm-hmm. once like the veils opened or parted from our eyes at the end with the twists, I think you know it's one of those things where you can just hear like so many people say "oh shit" or you know like like yeah. what the fuck or like gasps, you know. And I think Blair Witch Project was that, but almost in reverse, where there were a lot of people who just didn't get it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's almost as if like they weren't paying attention to the story being told in the movie about the kid's face in the corner. But I remember leaving that theater um, with Blair Witch Project, like completely stunned and just like in love. And that I think helped with my horror love. Um, saw died. I really loved it when I saw it, and I was totally taken aback by the twist. And I I remember I think Monday of. The following Monday, you know, going to school and some people being like, oh, I saw the twist coming. And, you know, uh, you, you knew right then and there that that person's a fucking liar. <laughs> and an idiot and an asshole. No one needs to brag about that shit. Yeah. I fucking hate that. Yeah, because I mean, I like, I mean, on a, I've seen this movie a lot of times and recently rewatching it. I'm sort of like, okay, you have a doctor and someone who's quote unquote a voyeur who takes photos of people, you know, who are cheating or this and that. And neither of them can tell that this man in the middle was, you know, still warm-blooded. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think to us as audience-goers, like, yes, we're able to sort of uh, search the screen more, and we're also not in the immediate, uh, I guess, predicament. But, no, I thought it was a really great twist. And, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm assuming everyone who's listening to this knows of the twist. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler, I mean, again, like, we're doing this to celebrate the release of Spiral, mm. which is the ninth <laughs> film in this franchise, so hopefully people have seen at least one of these movies. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not ruining anything, um, and right now, pause, I guess, and go watch the movies, you know, almost 20 years old. But, um... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's... Greg, do not say stuff like that. <laughs> okay, no, don't pause, come on back. Uh, it's, it's 17, <laughs> 17 like years old. years old? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I think like that collective sort of theater experience is what makes it super memorable because I really like this movie as sort of a, like a window into like low budget filmmaking. Cause I think what's, yeah. what's sort of endearing about it is that you, the more you watch it, the more you sort of just see how piecemeal it is and sort of like, you know, uh, cause this El Mariachi um, Evil Dead, Blair Witch Project, or like I think like the four, oh, yeah. the four movies where like you look at them as like representative of low budget independent filmmaking. Because I mean, this movie cost surprising one point two, one point two million. Yeah. yeah, which if you look at the movie, you know, you're almost like no fucking way. Like half, like a lot of that has to go to Danny Glover and and <laughs> Carrie Ewells because yeah. it's like you yeah. know it's it's a very drab movie. Well. It may not have been enough money for Carrie Elwes because he uh, he was phoning in his performance a bit. Oh, so crap! We'll have a lot more to say about <laughs> yeah. that. Just a tease. Uh, <laughs> I, I I mean I'll take I'll take that and I'll actually up it. And I think no one's good in this movie. I it's not a film known for its performances. We'll put it that way. Well, yeah. I mean it, it, it's influential in terms of style. Mm. Like you know when people think about the two thousand. I mean, how often have we talked about the aughts lately? You know, it's it's the the remake boom. It's J horror mm. and it's torture porn. Mm. And and this is the one that starts it. This is the one that starts the torture porn. Right? Yes, which I don't agree with. You know, and I think I think one of the things that Le Winnell commented on, or like I love his word choice for it. He calls the torture porn label um a champagne problem because if that's one of your problems with your movies it's like 
you know, sort of fluff. Like it, like it doesn't really matter. And it's, it's a great thing really to have be one of the issues because it means you did something right. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's credited with like ushering in a wave of torture porn films, but in actuality, compared to everything that came after it, including all of its sequels, any of the hostels, it's not that gory and it doesn't really relish in the torture mm. of people, right? Well, and I think, again, as we'll probably talk about in the full-length episode, and if folks want to revisit our episodes on Hostel Part 1 and Part 2, mm. these films are a reflection of the times. It's not like filmmakers magically woke up and said, hey, I'm going to try to gross people out to such a degree that people will call it torture. It's like we're responding to real life events and we're saying this is the world that we live in it's sick and it's dastardly but yeah i completely agree with both of you i think saw is really more of a kind of i don't know it's it's a hallmark of independent cinema it's a hallmark of like just can do attitude where these two friends really wanted to make a fucking cool movie and they push through all the budgetary limitations to make something that has literally made a cultural impact that has lasted now for almost two decades well and honestly i, I it always makes me laugh when people shit on saw as a franchise because you know so oh it's that torture porn bullshit whatever I actually find it very comparable to what Friday the 13th franchise was doing in the 80s. You know, that's also like super low budget independent cinema. Mm -hmm. And it made a, a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. every, you got a new one of those movies every year. Each one was on a fucking tiny ass budget. Yep. And people came out in droves to see it. And that is what we got with Saw. We didn't have a franchise like that. Like we didn't have that in the 90s really with like these like fr horror franchises and slashers taking off. Jigsaw was that for anyone that was growing up in the aughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to sort of uh, dissuade people from latching onto the torture porn, it's, I mean, for me, torture porn, it's like less about depiction because you could depict violence. You could depict someone getting their mm -hmm. Achilles heel slash, but I think it has to do with emphasis. And like, if your camera is sort of cutting to it or lingering on it for a long time, mm -hmm. and it's like trying to emphasize the gore, then yes, I think torture. But for a lot of Saw, it, you don't see it. And it's like, no. it's super manic editing. Like, it's, it's never really like a focal point. So I think that, mm -hmm. yeah, I think torture porn is not really a good designation for this movie. Well, I think you said it really well when you said it was almost like music video. Because I can absolutely see the kind of staccato editing mm. that we, I mean, I grew up on it in the 90s. And we were seeing it in a lot of the 2000s level horror. And I know for a lot of folks who were raised on 80s films and even into the 90s, this doesn't resonate with them as well. So I think the torture porn label ended up coming about because folks wanted to shit on like, oh, these aren't my horror movies anymore. Mm. See, I actually wonder if people think because it, I, I'm vocalizing what I think I've heard about this before, but where something like Friday the 13th, they're like, oh, there's there's like a low budget charm there. And right. while Saw is low budget, it also feels I'm, I'm going to use the word overproduced because there's just a lot going on here from a filmmaking mm. standpoint. Whereas with Friday the 13th films, there isn't a lot going on there from a filmmaking standpoint. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, the thing that I heard that Wan had was uh, due to budgetary constrictions. He could, he, oh, he, yes. could, he, he, Absolutely. he could only get two shots uh, for their, for the actors. So I, I, I attribute a lot of the bad acting which is there. I like, I don't, I don't think I'm, yeah. I don't think we're seeing anything, but I attribute the bad acting to his limited amount of takes he could have. Because I like, I think Danny Glover has pulled in great performances. Say with Carrie Owens, um, mm -hmm. who's 
the wife, Monica Potter. Monica, Monica Potter. 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 Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she's done good stuff. Same with um, Michael Emerson from Lost, who plays oh, Zep. Yeah. Like, there's mm-hmm. potential there, but it's just like filmed in such a way in which I guess the only takes that were really captured were some really fucking terrible ones. It's it's almost soapy, which mm. I actually think is a really good word to describe, considering the the sequels we get and how much they tie. Because the continuity for this franchise is kind of remarkable. Like, I, it really is. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I I know people say, "Oh, you can just go, just watch one of them. You don't have to see the rest." No, no, no. Oh no, my no. god, no! You can absolutely <laughs> fucking not. And folks, you can listen to like Kill by Kills uh, Saw's giving episode last year, where they try to start in the middle and they have no fucking idea what's going on because the continuity in this is surprising surprisingly good mm-hmm. they watched saw four and i was like why are you gonna give him like a mediocre one because to me saw four is like it's not bad it's not good it's just kind of there like give them one that's really good or really bad i was so puzzled by that vote i mean that that was the internet this is why you cannot trust the internet to provide you with a choice of which film to watch yeah <laughs> um interestingly enough though the guy who edited it his name is Kevin Grutert. I really hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes. Uh, he worked mm-hmm. on the editorial department for Titanic, and he also edit- he also edited The Strangers. So I think he is definitely capable of doing more uh, even paced films. Well, and he he actually went on to direct. I want to say Saw Five and Six, or maybe just Saw Six after Bowsman. Yeah, pretty much. Huh. Yeah, the, 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 this this film like franchise is very incestuous. With uh, it, it hires from within. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, I do wonder then. I mean, because yeah, those two film titles that you mentioned, Greg, those are remarkably well done films. Like no one's going to say, "Oh, the editing is shit in Titanic mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, the Strangers." So I do wonder if again, this all kind like the problems that people have with Saw specifically the first film i do think it comes back to there was only so much footage that they could use so there's only so much movie magic and so many filters that you can apply to hide you know how much we're stretching a dollar here well i mean yeah like i mean i know we're not getting really into specifics of the film here but like again like just one of those scenes like in any of the torture i'm sorry the 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 trap scenes all use that rapid style editing you know when the guy's (laughs) trapped in the barbed wire it's like it's that when the guy's in the room with the, the flammable liquid shit like it's him running around the room rapid editing and yeah, it's very much to hide that they just can't afford to show a lot of things. The, the most gore we get in this movie is that one shot of Amanda pulling the intestines out of that man's stomach to find the key. And yeah. even then, it's like a two second shot. Contrast that with Dawn of the Dead. Like we mm. get people pulling parts out of people the whole movie, but mm-hmm. nobody calls that torture porn. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting that I think at the end of filming, it's like when ended up realizing he had like not much footage and he had to do a lot of filler so it was like with whatever it cuts like a you know security camera footage or a newspaper clipping it's like them just trying to like stuff this movie so it's longer which it's like Mm -hmm. i'm looking at these sped up scenes and i'm like if you just slow that down a bit you may have a 90 minute movie or whatever you need no for sure but yeah i mean i think that's sort of what makes it uh endearing is like the uh, the you could just see him as a filmmaker coming out and like it's very much his first movie and i think that's what i like about it um from a visual standpoint um i think the script is probably like the story is the strongest and i'd say the script is the weakest yeah, and that's really saying something, though, because uh, Lee Winnell has obviously gone on to mm. become a really good screenwriter. Yeah. But as we all know, like sometimes the first thing you do at the gate isn't going to be 
the same thing, like the same quality that you're going to do after you get, you know, 20 years of experience. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people who have, you know, cut their teeth working on small films and going to bigger films have talked about how difficult it is to write to a budget, right? Like, they probably didn't know what they were going to be able to get in terms of coverage and how many days with the limited amount of money that they had. So I, I'd be curious to know... I mean, I think they're both very proud of this film and what has it, it has accomplished. Like, hey, we're about to go into probably one of the biggest films of the year this weekend with the release of Spiral. Right. But I wonder, you know, if they could go back and give themselves an extra, you know, double that budget. What would this film look like? What would they have done differently? I think that'd be fascinating to hear. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's I think it'd be fascinating to hear. I don't want to see it because it's one of those things where it's like, uh, oh well, if you had the chance to go back to high school and like make different decisions, would you do mm-hmm. it? And it's like, oh well, I mean, yeah, I want to, but like, I wouldn't be where I am today if I made different decisions. And I like who I am today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I think despite all of its potential quote unquote flaws, I actually like all of these little just attempts at making this budget work mm. like uh, i always think of the car driving scenes uh <laughs> you know the ridiculous fast editing where you're just thinking oh, this is the weirdest thing i've ever seen in terms of somebody just driving through traffic but for me this is what saw is like when i think of my memories from that opening weekend i think of this kind of thing and it really helped to develop a sort of visual signature for not just the franchise but for a lot of films to come for the rest of the decade well and if you want to talk about like yeah it is influential but like look at all the copycats of torture porn we were getting after this you know like <laughs> I mean, if you want bottom of the barrel torture porn besides you know saw seven um look at captivity with alicia oh God, like oh th- th- that's something that's like trying to copy this and doing a very very poor job of it yeah i think it's sort of the way uh that thor of birch horror movie train i think so yes oh my god sort of, i think it, sort of, it came sort of on the heels of hostile and it was supposed to be that sort of like travel abroad you're gonna fucking die movie well because that was supposed to be a terror train remake and then like during production they changed it because hostile came out and like did well yeah mm-hmm. I I, th- I think that for this, I really love. It's almost like if you have photography, you follow like, the rules of three, and I feel like f- to keep this simple, uh, like Lewinall, like he did the rules of twos. It's like you have you might have one room, but you got two victims. You have a gun and a tape recorder. You have two saws, two detectives, two killers. Mm-hmm. You have two big names. I think drew it, which was Danny Glover and Car- like you, once you get those two, it's like you could scatter it with sort of no names and i'm not saying monica Parr is a no name absolutely no but yeah yeah at the time like she was known primarily for like like not great i mean movies that i like but they're not Mm -hmm. good (laughs) rom-coms oh yeah (laughs) but yeah it's like you know and then at at the end you have two options live or die which is like said multiple times and so it's like i think it's like a streamlined story yeah i I think the simplicity is really what makes it but then i mean you know it's that twist and i i like what you hit the nail on the head greg when you mentioned like that that experience of like a shared experience and that's very much what this was like this was the start of a new trend in Mm -hmm. horror and seeing that opening weekend with a crowd of like-minded horror fans whether they like the movie or not it's it's just a memory you're not going to shake because it's going to stay stay with you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I feel like it's the kind of thing that we're all hoping to get maybe this weekend. Well, those of us who can go to the theater, but <laughs> Americans who are vaccinated 
off you go to the theater and maybe you'll have a similar kind of experience. I will legit be seeing this movie um, uh, about six hours after this episode drops. Well, no, not six hours, like 18 hours, but still. <laughs> yeah, I, I get my second shot on the 15th and I... I wouldn't go into a theater till what two weeks after I think is when you're yeah good. two weeks. So hopefully, I mean, I hopefully it's still in theaters. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume it will be. Yeah, you'll be fine. Well, okay. Well, Greg, thank you for coming by to help talk a little bit of saw with us to kind of um wet our viewers, wet wet our <laughs> listeners' <Ew>. appetites for <laughs> for Spiral and our Saw episode next week. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having me, and also for doing you know Saw Viver every week. <laughs> oh right! Sorry, everyone. Our we uh, Greg coined the term for our group Saw Vivers, which we I swear to God, how long did we try to spend coming up with a name for ourselves? So so long because we were trying to get people to watch along with us. So we actually had like a social media design each week as well. Yep, uh, yep. Yeah. Then we said, "Fuck that! Let's just do it ourselves." <laughs> yeah, we don't need groups. We just need a few. <laughs> I don't need groups. I need fans. Wait, what? <laughs> Wrong franchise. Sorry. Oh my God. Wait for January, Joe. Got it. Got it. Uh, <sighs> Mr. Greg, where can people find you if they want to follow you and all of your baking-related saw shenanigans? Oh, your butt pictures. Uh, well, oh my God. It was one it was one ass. God. Um, uh, you can follow Lone Wolf Bread Co. on Instagram, and that's my uh, bread delivery service that I do up here in Providence. Um if they want to yes. find me, uh, Real Brew on Twitter, uh, R E E L, and I have very old writings at some websites that people can find in my profile that I will not air now because <laughs> I just feel very uh, shameful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Uh, it's okay. I'll do better. It's okay. Uh, well, all right, everyone. So uh, this has been a primer for our episode on Saw next week. If you are going to go see Spiral in theaters this weekend, uh, please, of course, be safe. Uh, wear your mask, even if you've been vaccinated, all that jazz, yada, yada, yada. And, um, yeah, we can cross out whatever this is. Yes, our, our Saw bonus-ode. <laughs> bonus-ode. <laughs> a boner-ode. You've made it to the end of another bloody disgusting podcast. Congratulations. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, Nightmare on Film Street, and more. <laughs>